Hey everybody, this is Scott, the host of the Sunday Morning Coffee Podcast. I would like to invite you to support the show through our Patreon page at patreon.com slash smcpod. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash smcpod, where for only four US dollars per month, you can get early access to episodes and members-only content. Once again, that's patreon.com slash smcpod, and I thank you for your support. Very happy to welcome Melanie Verstrady to the show today. Uh, thank you, Melanie, for joining me. I appreciate your time and looking forward to this conversation. Thanks for having me, Scott. Me as well. You're very welcome. And so what I ask all my guests first and foremost is uh, just to share a little bit about yourself, uh, how you ended up at the place you are today, a little bit about your background and so on. Well, uh, my name is Melanie Verstrady, as you know, and I am the CEO and founder of The Wild Heart Life, um, basically love, dating, sex, and relationship coach. And how I got here uh, was through my own journey of self, through my own healing from my past, uh, I could say, traumatic, dysfunctional childhood, and then turned into two toxic husbands and here I am. There you are. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's your story is kind of a, a common story. Obviously, everybody's players in their own story are different. Uh, yeah. But a lot of the guests that, you know, I have talked to have, you know, similar some kind of trauma in their childhood uh, that led them to a dark place and led them to dig themselves out of that dark place. How much do you think that that kind of early trauma in your life, um, what are what are the chances of it going one way or the other? Because it can very easily go the opposite direction. And what do you think caused you to go in the direction that you went in? Hmm, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know what causes somebody to go one way or the other, right? Um, for me, it came down to just my sheer will, like my own will. Like, no, I will not become a statistic. I won't. Like, there's so many things that could have happened to me. Like, the majority of my friends were you know, growing up or surprised I was alive. So there's all kinds of really bad things, right? I could have committed suicide. I could have been addicted to drugs or alcohol. I could have uh, just, you know, got depressed and went in a downward spiral. And there was, there was always, I don't really know how to describe it, Scott, but it was almost like there was always this light and this, this sheer will of no, no, you're, you're and, not going to ever go down any of those paths. And were you ever close to going down any of those paths? Or was that a conscious thing in your mind that, no, I'm not even going to let myself, pardon the, the pun, flirt with those uh, paths that could be destructive for you? Yeah, no, it wasn't. Like, you know, I, I drank uh, the way any other adolescent would have you know gone to a couple parties but nothing like crazy excessive i had friends in high school that did drugs and I, I was always completely afraid of doing anything you know like 
I had friends who did acid and 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 coke and things like that. And I'm like, mm, 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 no, it's like the worst thing I ever did was was weed. Mm. That, that sounds familiar. I'm the same yeah. way. I'm there's no chance of me becoming a hard drug addict because I'm pardon the expression scared shitless of it. And, yeah, exactly. and that's a good that's a good thing. Uh, yeah. in, in this case. So yeah, I totally understand uh, where you're coming from. So uh, you mentioned that you um, ended up in a couple of very toxic relationships that, again, I'm sure further forged the path that you have taken. What do you yeah. think is the relationship between your childhood trauma and getting involved in those relationships? Is it simply the, the common theme of you needed somewhere to be wanted, to belong? Is, is it as simple as that? Or is there more to it than that? Yeah, I think there's significantly more to it than that. Um, I'm very, very introspective and I've, you know, I'm on like the other side of this, although I feel like we're always healing in this crazy game of life, right? Um, but, but I'm at a place of like understanding forgiveness and like true peace. And so what I've understood from all the work that I've done, because I worked on me like it was my job for over six years, um, is that, you know, when, when we're little, we're, we're very obviously impressionable and, and our subconscious unconscious mind is wide open. And so we're these sponges and we just absorb everything in our environment. And it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, right or wrong, positive or negative. Uh, and, and we absorb not necessarily always what we hear, but what we feel, right? And so for me, and I didn't know this, of course, when I was in it, because this is not uh, this is not reasonable or logical or something that's in like your thinking mind. Like this is deeply embedded in your body, really. And so what I discovered, you know, through my own exploration, healing, and really unlearning and unbecoming was that I had really deep abandonment wounds and I had very deep, um, wounds around my mother because she was just, she just really, she just wasn't nurturing. Like she said the right things, but I never felt it. I never mm -hmm. felt love. And I didn't have a good relationship with men because I had six dads basically by the time I was 21. And so I just uh, took all those things in to mean something about me. And so as I started to get older and, and date, I had, again, this wasn't conscious. I didn't know this was like the underlying kind of root of my interactions, but I was a people pleaser. I didn't have any boundaries. I basically turned into a chameleon to make sure that anybody that was in my life that I cared about, that I was the version of me that they wanted me to be so they wouldn't leave. And it left me feeling deeply unworthy. I didn't feel important. Um, I had always wanted to just be important in somebody's life and I never did. I never felt that way. I always felt like I was alone. I had to parent my parent, my mom, uh, which is not a burden that any kid should ever have to do. But, um, so I grew up very, very independent. I am woman, hear me roar. <laughs> and you are not ever going to penetrate this shield. And 
I wore what I would call, and again, I didn't know this at the time, but now that I'm on the other side of it, I can see it clear as day. I wore what is really common for the modern woman today is like this masculine shield, this like hyper-independent, I don't need you, I actually don't even want to depend on anybody because everybody's let me down, so I got to handle everything on my own. And when you start dating, you will either attract, because, you know, think of the law of attraction, like we're, we're magnetic fields, whether people believe that or understand it or not. It's like the vibe you put out is your inner vibe, right? And so I had this guard around my heart and deep feelings of unworthiness and fear somebody would leave. Well, there's no way I could attract anybody or anything good in that. And when I did, because I did a couple times, I ruined it mm. intentionally on purpose because I had such a panic of fear of, holy shit, they're going to find out that I'm not everything that they think I am. So you end up lying to yourself, playing this game with yourself of like, well, I should probably just settle. Like this is the, because for me, I also didn't trust love because love let me down over and over and over again. Of course, it wasn't romantic love. But when you're a little girl, when you're a child, when you're a baby, like how your caretakers, whether that's your mom, your dad, your grandpa, your grandma, it doesn't matter who your primary caretakers are is, is how you learn to love. And that's mm -hmm. how you learn to be loved. Right. And so I didn't really feel very loved. I didn't feel seen. I didn't feel safe. I didn't feel heard. I felt like almost like a burden and it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's interesting. So, you, you know, to long answer to your, to your question, it's the men who I married, who ended up, who I ended up marrying. The first one was very, very controlling, very much like a classic case of, of a narcissist. And, um, to me, what I thought he represented when we got married was stability. So my whole life was just chaotic. And I just wanted oh, somebody I could just depend on and know that would be there for me. And I could have truly just some stability, like being in one place, one time, building a family and just some peace. That was the most important thing. Mm -hmm. And the ironic, funny thing was he was complete opposite of all of those things <laughs> not funny haha -ha, but you get it yeah i i can absolutely relate to a lot of what you're saying because i have some of those similar tendencies as well yeah and um you know i just out of a relationship about a year ago mm -hmm. and um you know i've been doing the same thing that you did reflecting um trying to figure out what's going on and I would do the same exact thing. I would get into a relationship that with someone who I trusted mm -hmm. and they were worthy of that trust. It was not them. It was in this case, it was me. And mm -hmm. I would almost like, and I'm going back to another episode that I did about pottery of all things. Mm -hmm. I would almost mold myself into what I thought they wanted. Yeah. And that was not what they wanted. I would uh love bomb them i would be right there all the time thinking that is what they want when all you know they were thinking like jesus give me some space here 
Yeah. And I would, you know, do that continuously until things went until they went away. And again, I, th I think we all have a little bit of narcissism inside of us because I think that the first thought is, oh, I'm hurt. They hurt me. They left me. And then you think about it a little more. It's like, no, you think about it from their angle. They did what they felt they had to do that was best for them. Yeah. And now I'm at a point where I can respect that and say, you know, I wish you well. I got to work on myself first before I worry about anybody else. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's definitely uh, I think that's a common theme. And and mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people take that time to maybe do that self introspection and they just think of their wounds instead of, you know, what can I do to make sure this doesn't happen again? Yeah. And the most beautiful gift I could say that happened and that I gave myself and that I offer any of your listeners was when I had the realization that I was going to go through now a second divorce and, and I divorced both of them and not through like I've given up is that could have been part of my problem. I'm persistent as fuck. So <laughs> I'm not giving up on anything, but then there comes this time where it's like, what are you fighting for? Right. And so mm. when I had that realization of like, Oh my God, Melanie, what's wrong with you? Like two divorces now, like one is not enough. Like I felt <laughs> like I needed to wear like the scarlet letter or something. Like it was, it was a, a beautiful space for what you could call an awakening and a, a beautiful like look in the mirror. And I feel like that is what is missing with most of us, especially in our modern culture of like pointing our fingers to everything and everyone, but here. And it's like, it's so easy to be like, oh, yeah, the first one was a narcissist and a psycho. And the second one was controlling and codependent and, you know, all these things. And they belittled me and demeaned me and wouldn't let me speak and blah, blah, blah. And those all things were true. But who chose them? I did. Mm -hmm. They weren't arranged marriages, right? Like, I chose these men. So what part of me is broken? that I need to fix right now. I know that none of us are technically broken, but I felt deeply broken and it, it turned into such a beautiful journey of self because my whole life was never about me. It was never allowed to be about me. There was no, what does Melanie want to do? It was like, what does Melanie need to do to survive? Mm -hmm. So coming to that place, when I'm in my now my early 40s and I'm like, holy shit, I don't even know who I am. Like that is a crazy place to be if you think about that. Like in your 40s, you don't know who you are. And I knew I was a mother, I knew I was a woman, right? I knew my roles, so to speak, but like, who am I as a mind, as a body, as a soul? What is my purpose here on this earth? What am I here to do, to be, to have, to experience, right? I had no clue because I spent my whole life being anything up but me mm -hmm. and it, it was so it was such a beautiful space though it might sound like scary to people but it really wasn't it was so freeing and it was just a space of exploration of who am i who 
what does my life look like if I actually put myself first for the first time? And I stop abandoning myself and I stop putting everybody else ahead of me and I stop people pleasing and I actually speak what is my truth, right? And I I come from a place of self-forgiveness and then forgiveness of others. Like, what does all that look like to just like dig out all these boxes that my life and society put me in and like explode the box and then stand in my own authenticity. And that was the most beautiful gift I gave myself. Cause I said to my, I said to self, <laughs> I said, I don't know who the hell I am, but when I discover who I am, I'm going to be her unapologetically, authentically, no matter what. And it's the mm. most beautiful gift I've given myself. I know, obviously, social media is not a good uh, barometer of pretty much anything, really. Um, yeah. But when you, and by you, I mean the greater you, when you scroll social media, you yeah. see all these posts about, you know, uh, oh, I'm broken, I'm this, I'm that, I'm, I'm whatever. Yeah. And sometimes half of me thinks, do people want to be seen that way or do people is it a victimhood complex is it that they just don't know they haven't looked deep enough to understand what is going on inside of them what do you think that's all about do you think there, there's a victimhood culture in the world today that people lean into simply because it helps them in their own mind explain away whatever is going on with them I mean, we are definitely a victimhood society too. That's that's like when I was just talking about, like I had to actually look in the mirror and be like, who's the person who chose these men, right? Like, again, I could have played victim. And I know that I did for a good portion of my life, obviously, because I stayed stuck in the cycle, right? I was perpetuating it. Again, this was unconscious though. I wasn't, I wasn't aware. I think awareness is so important. We, we can't shift a single thing if we're not aware that something actually exists, right? And so if you look at our culture, the, the thing that sucks about victimhood is it is celebrated and mm -hmm. it is uh, put on this pedestal, right? Of like, oh, poor me. And it's like, I have empathy for sure. This is not coming from a, a non-compassionate space. Because I had to dig really deep to actually forgive myself because I blamed myself for so much of the shit that happened to me, which I had zero control over, right, as a child. So I have tremendous compassion, especially because I know what I've gone through and I know others have gone through the same or worse. But nothing changes unless you actually take the space, the time, the self-reflection of, yeah, these things did happen to me, right? And there's some things that are beyond our control for sure. But what are the things that are within our control? And then what can I do to start to shift this? If, you know, if I get out of a toxic relationship or a bad marriage, right? And then I look at, it wasn't just him who ruined the marriage. It takes two. I don't care what anybody says. And one person does not ruin a marriage, even in like a cheater type of a situation. Again, this might like trigger some people, but like if a man cheats, what drove him to cheat? And I'm not saying it's her fault. 
he's the one who did it. But what was broken in their relationship that caused that to happen, right? Because when you're happy, when you're truly in love and happy and you have a healthy relationship, there's no cheating. I don't give a shit what anybody says. There's no reason to mm -hmm. do it. Usually when people cheat, it's because something is missing, whether it's sex or an emotional connection. It's some form of connection, right, that they had that they don't have anymore. So, yeah, I think our culture celebrates victimhood. It's like the squeaky wheel kind of syndrome, right? It's like, oh, whine, complain, la, 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 la. But it's a powerless place to be. Mm -hmm. There's nothing good is going to come of it. You're going to stay in this downward spiral, if you will, and you're going to continue to convince yourself. And we can also become like addicted to that space too, because think of like all the attention we get. Oh, I told my sob story and everybody's like, oh, you poor baby. I feel so bad for you. Right. And then we get like, it, it, it triggers, you know, the, uh, what are those uh, endorphins and mm -hmm. different things like that that give us our little, you know, dings. <laughs> Likes and follows and yes, yes. You know, comments. And it, it just continues to like add to it, but it no change comes from that place. No, no goodness comes from that place. Nothing about what we're here to experience, which I totally believe is, joy, love, confidence, calm, compassion, truth. Uh, not to say that we we won't ever experience death or sadness or grief or any of that, because that's also part of the human experience. But how can we kind of, I do this a lot. That's okay. <laughs> how, how can we kind of hold all of it, right? And not get stuck in, the story of like what it means about me and that does require healing and and i do totally believe i've seen it so many times in my own life and in my client's life that we're a bunch of adults running around like little children trying to get our childhood wounds met and then we get pissed off at our significant other when they can't meet the needs but we can't even meet the needs for ourselves, and we can't meet the needs for them. So we're, we're unconscious of really the beauty that can happen in a romantic relationship. Like if we're both open to see the triggers that now want to surface, like they're here to be like, hey, we're here to be healed, right? But instead we usually wanna repress them and, or, or make our significant other bad for them, right? Mm -hmm. I think uh, just to follow up on what you said about um, I, people on, you know, social media and whatever, I think people mean well, yeah. but when they comment, oh, I'm so sorry that that happened to you, we don't do our friends, loved ones, any favors by, by doing that. And obviously it's a tricky situation because you don't want to say, oh, well, have you looked inside yourself? Because that seems kind of, you know, yeah, <laughs> kind yeah. of cold and uncaring. But I think, like you said, if you post about, oh, I, you know, woe is me, this, that, and you get 50 comments of, you know, I'm so sorry, it only reinforces in your mind that, yes, you are the victim and that it was none of your fault whatsoever. Yeah. 
Yeah. So again, another thing that, that I sort of caught on to what you said a minute ago, and it led me to another kind of metaphor. If we have, let's say we have a cancer or an infection or something along the lines, you have to sometimes do damage to the healthy part of the body before you can cure the unhealthy part of your body. And I think it's the same, and you can tell me if you agree or not, when we're dealing with our mindset. Sometimes you have to tear yourself down to the studs before you can rebuild into something that's more solid. Do you agree with that? Oh, yeah. I, I call that like the death and rebirth cycle. It's like your old self has to die before a new self can emerge. Because if you think about it, right, if I stayed stuck in the story of six stepdads, uh, emotionally unavailable mom, and one of the stepdads was abusive, uh, two narcissistic husbands, um, if I stayed in that, right, of like, this is why I am how I am, nothing's going to change. No nothing will ever shift. And I'm going to live the rest of my life miserable. Like the outside world might not know that. They might, they might not, right? I might occasionally like break down and show it to you, but I'm going to be miserable for the rest of my life. And so, you know what, Scott? I totally lost my train of thought. Ask me that question. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I was just asking about the necessity of tearing yourself down um, yes. uh, before rebuilding yourself. Yes, thank you. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to me all the time. <laughs> my dad calls it CRS. Can't remember. <laughs> I'm like, kidding. Yeah. Got that. Guilty. Yep. Yeah, so it's this death and rebirth, right? So again, if we're like addicted to our story, right, that old version of us can never die. We can't have a new version. So you could call that also like an unlearning, unbecoming cycle. Because like who I thought I was was unworthy, not important. I need to settle, not good enough, right? I'll, are those true? Right? Are those just things I took on based on my environment? Like, are those absolute truths? Because there's some beliefs that we have, right, that we can keep. And there's some that they're no longer serving us. And, and it's understanding when, when we are little and we're so impressionable, right? There's versions of us that had needed to be created, say parts, if you will, to keep us safe. Hell yes. Because at our core, we are here to survive, right? What does that look like though, right? And so if our nervous system is used to toxicity, as an example, being a people pleaser, being put last, right? You're not important enough. You're not good enough. Okay, I'm going to be not important enough, not good enough. Because if I continue to feel like that I am and you keep disappointing me, I won't be able to take right? So this body that we live in, this nervous system that runs everything is brilliant, but it can come to a space now that we carried that as a small child. Now we're an adult and it's not serving us anymore because now it's keeping us stuck in this loop 
of unhealthy relationships in attracting narcissists or jerks or whatever in uh, attracting for men, women who only want us for our money. Right. And so when you come to this space and it usually what I find with my clients usually happens sometime in their early forties, anywhere between like 38 and like 52 is like the span. A lot of people like to call it the midlife crisis is actually not that, but it comes to this like, holy shit, whatever it is that I thought I was doing, I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I need some help, right? And so <laughs> if you can come to that space of, it's usually a lot of people call it rock bottom too, but you don't have to get there. Mm -hmm. Then you can start to look back and start to question, right? Is this true? Do I believe this? So that when, when you do attract the man or the woman that is going to be a good partner, that is going to love you, that is going to be there for you, that's not going to abandon you, that's going to be your biggest cheerleader, right? Like it's the person you've always craved, needed, desired, deserved that love. You won't ruin it because your nervous system is like, oh, holy shit, what is this? We are not used to this. No, 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 no. Because that's mm -hmm. what will happen. It will like hijack it, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. And so I'm going to ask a little bit of a long-winded question, and I hope I don't lose my train of thought during this. <laughs> because as you're talking, I'm thinking of, oh, I should ask about this, and then I go in 90 million directions. But yeah. I think for myself, one of the things that I've learned about myself, and this was with the help of someone uh a counselor that I talked to a couple of times that pointed something out to me is that I would always try to project and not only in relationships, but in the rest of my life to my friends, to my family, I would try to project a life that wasn't real. Okay. And I remember, remember back to my childhood and even to this day to a degree, but you know, I would always, invent scenarios where I was the hero, whether it be scoring the winning goal in a hockey game or, you know, weird scenarios about saving people in a disaster or whatever, or being more successful in my professional life than I, than I actually was. I would try to invent these scenarios because obviously deep down I knew that that wasn't the life that I was living, that wasn't the person that I am. And I often see, going back again to social media, mm -hmm. I often see people every day with posts about how brilliant their relationship, how it's the greatest thing in the world, how it's perfect, it's Xanadu, it's this, it's that. And then months, maybe a year, two years down the road, it's over. So I equate that to sort of the same thing. They are projecting something that isn't actually real to them. Yeah. Is do you do you feel that that is something common that we do as human beings or have you ever do you feel you've ever tried to do that, tried to project something that wasn't there? What do you think about that particular topic? Yeah, I when I was in my, you know, past marriages, um, I would, yeah, I would project happiness, even though I knew it was bullshit. I would 
project confidence, even though inside I was the most insecure person I'd I'd thought ever existed. <laughs> and 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 it it really like the root of it is fear, right? It's like fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. We don't want to be rejected. And so we lie to ourselves. I think that's the biggest disservice that we do to ourselves, humanity, is we just continue to lie to ourselves. And like we have to give ourselves so much compassion from that because truly at the end of the day, like all any of us ever want is just love, acceptance, forgiveness, understanding, right? And it's like when people are, are projecting this, this level of, of perfection, that's a lie. It's at, like, to me, I think it's really sad. Mm -hmm. And you know, down deep that that's really the only thing that they really want. And they want the world to think that they have it for whatever reason, insecurity, fear of judgment, what do they think about me if they really know who I am? We all want to be accepted. I mean, our personal development culture is beautiful, but it in itself can also be a little bit toxic because there's so much singularity involved in here. Wholeness in myself, right? I don't need you almost is kind of that too. Um well, we're tribal creatures. We're communal creatures. Like we are built for connection. We are not built to be alone. And so, yeah, it's all, all of it can be like kind of sad, but, but I think at the root of it is like a lack of like true self-love and self-acceptance. Do you feel that we, I personally feel that we have gone with a lot of things in our society today too far. It's like a, a pendulum one way or the other, and we yeah. cross the line all, no matter which way we go. So yeah. if you think back years ago, divorce was not really that common. People stuck it out for years, decades, whatever. Yeah, And there could well have been legitimate reasons why that marriage should have ended. Mm -hmm. Now, it seems like it's almost gone the other way where, and I'm not saying this in your case or in, you know, anyone that's listening, but I find that there's now it's gone to the other extreme where at the first sign of trouble, it's abandoned ship. Yeah. How do we find that line between sticking it out, persevering, as you said, yours, one that doesn't, you know, give up easily and protecting ourselves against sticking around too long. I mean, that line is obviously in different places for different people. Yeah. But how the hell do we find that sweet spot where we're not giving up on things at the drop of a hat, but we're not sticking it out miserable for decades? Yeah. Um, oh, gosh, there's, there's a lot to this. <laughs> so obviously years ago, right, divorce was frowned upon. And so therefore, even if you weren't happy, you probably stuck it out because the whole your your whole tribe would condemn you. Right. And and women didn't have options. Like a lot of women were not working back. So yeah. if they're uh, suddenly kind of drift on their own, you're screwed. Yes, exactly. Who's gonna take care of you? 
because the ma the man usually made the money and she was the homemaker and and she's like branded basically you know what's the word i don't even know what the word is but oh, you said scarlet letter earlier yeah, yeah, kind yeah. of like that yeah mm -hmm. so <clears throat> i think the challenge with today's society like Social media is a beautiful thing, but it can also be like a really toxic thing, right? And so people are very hypersexual these days. Like women went from not hardly ever having multiple partners to having vast numbers of partners. And I am not here to talk shit to women, just to clarify that because <laughs> sometimes I trigger the hell out of people and I'm always come from a place of love and I truth and integrity are important to me. So a lot of times I say shit that people don't want to hear, but they need to hear. Mm -hmm. So I'm not saying women should not have what, no, I'm all for anybody doing whatever the hell that is that they want to do. The challenge is, are you doing it from a place that is real and true to you? Or are you doing it from a place of I'm going to get back at you? So men can have 20 partners i can have 20 partners if men can do it i can do it right that, that that's toxic that's not mm -hmm. come from a place of love of wholeness of acceptance of forgiveness of understanding of you know uh honoring of self like if we want to talk about when we're at our best like I call that in me like like my divine feminine queen you can call it your higher self you can call it god within whatever you want to call it, but it's us at like our most empowered self where we're not, we're not coming from a place of childhood wounds. We're not coming from a place of fear or judgment or attack, right? We're, we're responding. We're not reacting. So with all this, like feminism is taking a completely toxic side. Oh, like yeah. when it first started, I think it, it, it had lots of beautiful things in it and not, it's just not. And so now you have, and there's another thing that's going on too. And I don't know if, if you've noticed this, but I obviously have a, a very different uh, outlook because of what I do and what I see. Um, society is turning women more into men and men more into women. And I don't mean actually physically but that is the case too right but i'm actually talking like energetically like boss babes right and then men who are like the passive people pleaser good guy nice guy uh emasculated man you know sensitive yes yes not not that there's anything wrong with being sensitive because i am but again that pendulum swings too far Yes, yes. And so when you have these like extremes of the woman and the man, now they're doing more this fighting rather than merging and bonding, right? And our relationships are just like, it's, it's just getting to the sad place because we're not even like choosing each other anymore, right? So now we've got all these apps and it's like, oh, if you piss me off, Lana, I'm just going to leave you. And there's 10 guys in my DMs, right? It's like, like the majority of us don't even know what love is like love in its most purest, most beautiful, true form, unconditional love. I choose you, you choose me no matter what. Mm -hmm. 
Please excuse the interruption while I share some important information about the Sunday Morning Coffee podcast. If you would like to support the show, and believe me, I appreciate you supporting the show just by watching, there are a couple of ways that you can help out. You can visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash smcpod. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash smcpod, where for just four U.S. dollars a month, you can receive early access to episodes and subscriber-only content. If you prefer to make a one-time donation instead of a monthly donation, you can head over to buymeacoffee.com slash smcpod. I'm not going to spell that one out, but it's spelled exactly as it sounds. Buymeacoffee.com slash smcpod, where you can make a one-time donation in any amount. Your support does not go unnoticed. Thank you for watching, thank you for your support, and I hope you enjoy the rest of today's episode. Now, this doesn't mean that you can like beat me or abuse me and I'm gonna, I'm gonna tolerate it. We're not talking about any level of toxicity, but like love is a feeling, but love is also a choice. It's a decision. It's not, I love you until I find somebody better. And I feel like that's kind of like where our society is right now. It's like this grass is greener bullshit mentality. And it's like, mm -hmm. no wonder we're all wounded and <laughs> all this trauma is called coming up because we don't feel safe with each other anymore. Cause we mm -hmm. can't even, you can't even fully give yourself to somebody if you're feeling, Oh, if I do the wrong thing, if I say the wrong thing, if they find somebody with more money, hotter, younger, older, whatever, right? Fill in the blank, whatever, they're going to leave. I think the, you know, another thing I also see a lot is how come I can't find a good guy? Where are all the good guys gone? Yes. Well, if I'm a young man at this point and I know that you are 20, let's say 25 years old, just for the sake of argument. And you have a body count, which is that lovely phrase that we hear in double digits already. Uh-uh. No, thank you. Like, I'm already insecure as it is. I'm not going to be able to deal with that. So, you know, and it goes like there's only fans and there's this and that. And I can completely understand why young men are having trouble trusting in relationships and you know are shying away from them to be honest yeah so that just digs back into the the feminist movement of like women can be like men and again i am not telling any woman out there that her sexuality is wrong or bad or anything like that because we as women have endured thousands of years of good girl conditioning bullshit, right? It's, mm -hmm. it's, it's bullshit. If you're not pure, you're wrong, you're bad, you're evil, you're dirty, you're sh just shame, 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 right? Mm -hmm. But again, what you're talking about is usually, not always, but usually the, the women have bought into this, I can be like men. And, and they're, whether women understand this or not, or, or whether people believe this or not, we as women, when we have sex with a man, when we receive a man, if you look at us anatomically, we're built to receive, men are built to penetrate, right? When we receive a man, 
we release hormones, right? Oxytocin that bonds us with him. This is natural. It's biological. It's built into who we are. Again, some women are not going to like this, but it's okay. I don't believe we as women, okay, are built to have a lot of partners. I don't believe that we're, we, we are, like genetically, biologically in our DNA. It's not to say we can't. It's not to say we haven't. We won't. It's not to say, and I'm not judging anybody who has, but speaking for myself, when I have... Uh, when I've been intimate with a man, if I don't have a connection to him, it's shallow. It's mm -hmm. empty. There's, it, it feels like there's nothing there. It feels like it's transactional. And I know that might sound terrible, but for me, for a woman to fully open to a man, open, surrender, this thing that men really want women to do, where guys are like, where's all the feminine women? Why are there so many boss babes? Why do, why are women controlling, critical, condemn, la, 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 right? Well, <clears throat> the men also have to be that space for her to open, surrender, feel safe that she can give all of her, all of her wild because women are very sensual creatures too. Men don't just like sex. Women like sex too. But if he wants this erotic, holy, beautiful, wild, loving, feminine expression, he also has to hold the container for that, right? And if sex is just transactional, because that's kind of what it's feeling like out there right now, it's just situationship bullshit. It's like we're using each other's like masturbation devices. It's mm -hmm. it's it's frankly like disturbing and dis and I'm sorry, just disgusting as far as I'm concerned. It's so empty. It's mm -hmm. so not what we're here for. Like when you have a partner and you both love each other, like love, adore, cherish, respect, appreciate, you have a healthy bond right? When you have sex, it's mind-blowing. It's nothing like the situationship kind of. It's like it's like transcendent. It's the time you feel like you're in your body and out of your body like at the same time. It's like this two become one kind of a transference of beautiful energy. And I believe it's really what all of us really, really want. But we're so stuck in our own shit. We can't, we don't know how to get there. <laughs> mm -hmm. And like you said, it, you know, when a woman has sex with a man, it bonds her to him. So yes. if, if you're, if you're just doing that with someone different every weekend, you have that brief bond, then yeah. he's gone, which leads mm -hmm. you into a cycle of feeling insecure and wow. inadequate and then you go out and do the same thing next weekend now you have that short-term bond again and then it's gone it's just it seems like it's a cycle that's going to lead to nothing but insecurity and distrust and how many other bad things can you name yeah it's so true and in pain and 
and they'll start to like hate themselves. What's wrong with me? Why am I not good enough? Why won't he stay? And it's like, let's bring back romance. Let's bring back courting and actually having to work for affection. And I don't mean game playing bullshit, but like, you know, romance, courting, dates, opening the door, paying for the bill, pulling out the chair, you know, uh, writing each other love letters. It can be texting or emailing now, right? It's flowers, romance, just uh, like, can we just bring that back? <laughs> and I think what you said about, you know, the whole boss babe, you know, tough bitch culture, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. I think that's often used as a shield. Yes. For women that feel that insecurity, that distrust, that inadequacy when it comes to men as well. And, okay. you know, men, I think, have similar things. They manifest themselves in, in different ways. For example, with myself, I mentioned earlier that you know, I'm one that I'm prone to overdo it when it comes to the things that you just mentioned, the love notes, the, the gifts, the love bombing, shall we say. That's my way of saying, look how much I love you. See, yeah. I love you so much. Don't go anywhere. You'll be happy with me. And then it has the opposite effect. So, you know, I think that boss babe mentality sometimes can just be a shield. It I believe 100% it's it's a shield cuz cuz I I wore that shield for a little while and I'll tell you it comes it comes from the father wound it comes from the wound with the masculine whether that's your dad your stepdad your grandpa your your exes and it's it comes from a a distrust in in men and so because I couldn't depend on men I had to overdevelop my masculine shield, right? So this hyper independent, I don't need you. I got this boss babe kind of mentality, but really it's a father wound is it at its core. And until the woman, and she doesn't trust men, that's what it comes from because they've let her down, right? Some way, shape or form. And is this not a blame game? Like we're all human. <laughs> we all fuck up a lot, but it's like, what do we do after that mess up, right? So it's like if she can recognize, and usually this is an operating system, it's a program that she doesn't even know is running her. It's deeply unconscious. And all she really wants is a real man, but she'll never attract a real man because she's the man, like in the polarity, right, in the energy, because it's the masculine feminine energy that creates the magnetic fire passion hotness that we all crave so if she's in the shield the protective shield is as you've said right then no man can penetrate that shield even if a good man comes along and he's a real man right she's not gonna trust him she will not trust him and because she doesn't trust him and he doesn't feel needed and he doesn't feel appreciated or respected because of her distrust he's gone he's not gonna tolerate that mm -hmm. another thing that i've not just myself, but I think a lot of people have noticed kind of relating to what you just mentioned is the phenomenon of the male feminist. And they are often, and you know, I'm no, you know, 
Navy SEAL or anything like that. I'm not the most hyper-masculine alpha male on the planet. But to me, male feminists, there's something very creepy about it in that it almost seems like a lot of them are using it to get close to women. What's a feminist? What is that? Describe that to me. Well, to me, it's someone who, you know, if there's, and I've seen it at like rallies for where feminists gather and there's always, there always seems to be some guys there that are almost too supportive of the cause, if that, and to me, it's just like, there's something like, and again, you've given the disclaimer many times, you're going to piss people off. And <laughs> I, I, I'm i not saying that men should not support women because I fully support women 100% in, you know, in everything because I just support people in general. Yeah. But I think, I don't know, it's almost hard to explain, but I, it seems like there are some people that are almost using those kind of causes for if not nefarious purposes, then, you know, somewhat questionable purposes. Hmm. And I, I don't know if that's, you know, I've heard other people mention it on podcasts and so on before. Um, but I, I don't know, maybe that's something you haven't noticed. But uh, yeah, it's just, it almost seems to be like, again, that pendulum swinging too far in the direction of, you know, men becoming closer to being women and women become closer to being men. Yeah. Yeah. I haven't actually, like I've, I've never heard that term before, but I think we're talking the same language in that what, what, what I've seen in, in my experience and, and through my clients and, you know, just being in the love dating sex relationship realm, um, you know, so opposite the boss, babe, right? So now you got like, well, we could call it the feminist man. So you got you got the man who's the passive, nice guy, not to be confused with the good man, nice guy. Uh, and usually those stem from mother wounds. So if he had a mother where she was either narcissistic or she criticized him all the time. He could never do things good enough. He could never please her. She condemned him. Maybe she told him he was just like his father. And that was like the biggest insult because she hated his father, right? If he had any amount of that as a mother, chances are he's going to grow up and he's going to be more of an emasculated man. He's going to be the nice guy. He's going to be the doormat. He's going to be that the guy that the woman talks to like it's her child. And drawn, and drawn to the boss babe types. Yeah, yeah, kind of, yes. And, and she's going to control, criticize, and condemn him. And it perpetuates this cycle. Of course, he was attracted to a woman like that because it's like his mother, right? So it's what, what we know. Right, we're conditioned to go with what we know. The unknown is what feels scary. That's why we will sabotage beautiful relationships. Because I don't, I don't know that. I, no, 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 no. Right. So, <clears throat> I think that's another thing. And then let's think about this. 
Well, why is this happening? Well, there's more and more single parents, unfortunately. You know, there's more and more women raising kids on their own. And there's actually dads raising kids on their own. And whether people believe it or not, like we do need both influences. Like even though I was married twice, I felt like I was a single mom with all three of my kids. And as much as I feel like I'm kind of center in my masculine and my feminine, I still can't teach my boys how to be men. But I had to play those roles. I had to play the dad role and the mom role and the make the food and nurture and, oh, my gosh, are you okay? And also, like, what are you doing? Get off your ass and help me around the house, right? You know, just, mm -hmm. <laughs> so I had to wear, like, hats that I'm not even, like, suitable to wear. But what else are you going to do? One of the things that drives me the most crazy these days is when – uh, and again, looping back to social media, because that's where we get so much of our information from, is yeah. where you see women uh, saying, we don't need men, mm. and men saying, we don't need women. And I'm sorry, but if yes. women don't have men, our species dies. Mm -hmm. If men don't have women, our species dies. Is yeah. that just another version of, you know, the boss babe slash alpha male I can do it on my own. I don't need anyone. Just another sort of protective shell that we are putting around us to appear to be something we're not. Yeah. So not to get any kind of uh, conspiracy theories, but. I'm all for conspiracy <laughs> theories. I might not believe them, but I might. I like listening to them. Okay. Well, like, again, I have a different perspective than, than most. And also because I am so introspective and I love to learn and research things. So I'll kind of, and I'm very, very deep. So I'll go in and just like dig and try to find like root causes of things. Probably why I'm such a good coach. But anyway, <laughs> um, I think, okay, that there is a, let's just say sinister force, not unseen. This is humans, okay? who are wanting us to uh, separate and divide, right? So if I turn women into men and men into women, I'm going to break up more marriages. I'm going to break up more families. And if women hate men and they think, oh, I could do it all on my own. I don't need you. I have a vibrator even, so I don't even need that, right? And then, and then men think, well, I don't need you either. And I'll just, you know, have casual sex or hire prostitutes. Watch porn or whatever. Yeah, watch porn, exactly, or whatever, right? I don't need you either. Now we're even more divided. Men can't protect women like that, right? Now we're weak. We're weaker. We're easier to control. And, and the powers that be, not talking God here, talking sinister things here, right? Now... I can control you. I can manipulate you. I can invoke fear into you to get you to do what I want you to do. And I don't care what anybody says, okay? I think COVID was the biggest test of that. Where are my lions? Where are my sheep? Where can I control? And who are the people I'm not going to be able to control? And mm -hmm. I'm not saying it didn't exist because I got it twice. But I am saying all the hype around it was bullshit. 
and there trigger the hell out of everybody. I'm, I'm here for it. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm 100% with you. And I think everybody that's listening knows what sinister forces that we are talking about. So NSA, if you're listening or whoever's <laughs> listening, I, I 100% agree. And they do it by race. They do it by political leanings. They do it by gender. Yeah. Uh, and I think, you know, COVID was, like you said, the perfect opportunity to use us all as a human experiment. Mm -hmm. And look what happened. We had neighbors ratting out neighbors for being outside without a mask on. It's, it's ridiculous. And, you know, I, I think I see a little pushback against it now. I think there are people that are starting to say, you know what? Enough is enough. Yes. And I think I see some little sliver of hope that we may be heading back to, you know, a more normal time. It could take a while, but no, I'm, I'm with you 100%. So yeah, if this uh, show gets taken off Spotify or whatever, we know why, <laughs> but Hey, I'm, I'm good with that. Cause you know, the truth is the truth is the truth. And I think one of the big things is that we for a long period of time, were afraid to speak the truth. Yes. And I think that's starting to change now. Yeah. And that's, that goes back to like our earlier conversation where, where you were talking about like people's victimhood mentality. And I was talking about like the squeaky wheel. It's like more people need to speak up as to what is right, what is wrong, the injustice, the bullshit, the lies, stop putting your head in the sand. Like nothing is going to get better mm -hmm. if, if we don't. So let's say somebody is watching this uh, and realizing that, you know, they relate to what you're saying. They've gone through the same things or they're feeling the same way. What do you think is the first question that someone should ask themselves to start that process of introspection? Is there a first question or a first step or because it's a it's an absolutely massive task, especially, you know, I'm 53 years old to look back over 53 years and try to figure out what the fuck is going on <laughs> is a daunting task. Where do you think someone should, should start? Hmm. Okay. Let me tune into that for a second. I think the easiest or most practical question is for them to start questioning what it is that they believe to be true about themselves. So maybe they can journal it, right? So write down all your beliefs about you. And with no judgment, right? Like do it from like a, a witness third party perspective, because we can get into that judgment and be like, oh, I don't want to write that. Like, and you can't lie to yourself. <laughs> yeah. That's no, that's, yeah. Don't lie to yourself. Nobody's reading this. This is only for you. Like be honest, right? What do I believe to be true about me? I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm too old. I'm too young. I'm too fat, I'm too skinny, I'm too whatever, I'm not enough this, right? Whatever it is, just get it all down, right? And don't do it in your head because 
there's some magic that happens when we start to write things down. So start to write it all down and then question it. Are these absolute truths, right? Like if I asked myself, am I unworthy? Well, unworthy of what? Right? First of all, like, un am I unworthy? Well, unworthy of what? Right? So some of these questions can pull out like other questions. So allow it to take you down whatever rabbit hole it wants to take you down. And within that space, start to explore what it is that you believe and what you don't believe. And now, what are the truths? Or like, what, what do I like about myself? What do I appreciate about myself? What are my, what are the qualities that I like about myself? And again, this is not about what society thinks. It's about what you think. And I think that's part of our problem. We're so worried about what everybody else thinks about us. We don't even realize what the hell it is we think about ourselves. Mm -hmm. So what do you like about yourself, right? What do you believe? What are your beliefs? What have you been taught? told because the majority of the things that we grow up with and we believe to be true are beliefs that we inherited that weren't even ours right so then start to question things around you be more introspective right um work with a coach work with a therapist work with somebody who can Look at your dark and your light, your good and your bad, and give you a true, unbiased perspective. Because what I realized in, in, in myself is that the reason I attracted shitty relationships is because I had a shitty relationship with myself. Like that is like at its core what the truth was, what I uncovered. I didn't love myself. I didn't appreciate myself. I didn't like myself. I didn't think that I was good enough. I was so hard on me. Nobody who could have given me any amount of criticism that I didn't already know. <laughs> mm -hmm. Right? Like you want to say your own worst critic. I have that voice that I like to call the shit talker. And it's like, you can point out whatever you want. And guess what? I already fucking know it. Yeah. It's like Eminem on 8 Mile when he did that rap when he just called himself out on all his shit and the guy couldn't say anything, right? It's like, you want to point out my flaws? Trust me, I, I already know them, right? So on questioning everything, because I think the, the biggest thing that we can do in the very beginning of this, right, is a whole lot of unlearning. Because a lot of what we learned are lies. They're just bold lies. And we've taken them on as truths. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough. I'm unlovable, right? I'm all these negative things. And it's like, and we'll carry it with us until we actually like pull it out and examine it, right? Is this true? And if we can't say, yeah, it's an absolute truth, well, discard it then now, right? And then notice, notice when you're with other people. And triggers come up, right? Because we can all get so triggered. I love to look at triggers as teachers. So why am I triggered in this particular moment in time, right? Like, why did this person piss me off? Usually it's because there's something in us 
that we've denied, suppressed, have been made to feel bad for. Either we did it or somebody else did it, right? And so that's why it's a trigger for us. So it's like when the trigger shows itself, I always like to look at it as like, it's ready for you to deal with it, to heal it, to give it the space, the acceptance to like ask it, like, what do you, what do you want me to know? What are you here to teach me? Instead of pushing it back down and suppressing it. And it's, you know, funny you mentioned triggers uh, because I've been, like I said, I've been trying to, you know, do the introspection thing uh, mm -hmm. with myself. And part of what I've been doing is thinking about instances in relationships where someone said something that wounded me yeah, and trying to figure out was what they said really that bad or was it how I took it mm -hmm. that was that bad? Yeah. And most of the time it was my insecurities mm -hmm. building it into something that it wasn't. Oh, yeah. You know, she was talking to this guy. Oh, she's going to leave me because she thinks he's better than whatever it may be. Yeah. And, you know, so the the aspect of triggers, I think it's very important to get your, your head wrapped around, like you said, what those triggers are and why. Because, yeah. you know, most often, you know, sometimes you have people say shitty things to get at you. Mm -hmm. But... I know with myself, a lot of it was self-inflicted. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot, a lot of this healing unlearning work um, that I think all of us need to do is, is awareness and like willingness to do it. And it can, a lot of times it can only happen in like the present moment of when you're dealing with something, right? So that's why I love to look at the triggers as teachers because it's right there in your face, right? It's like, oh, look at you, right? <laughs> and like, and can you look at it as like an opportunity to rise instead of reverting back to your old ways? You're, you know, do, 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 do. let me build up the wall and defend myself, which is like our natural, of course, thing mm -hmm. to do, but can I sit with the trigger for a minute? Can I respond instead of react, instead of like, ah, oh, lashing out, right? Let me just sit with it and like feel it, like feel it in the body because you'll locate it somewhere within your body. It's in your nervous system, right? And it's like, okay, how can I sit with this? And how can I respond in a way that is not an attack and how like what can I allow this to teach me about me because it's hardly ever about that other person it's almost always it's us there's mm -hmm. something there's a lesson for us right so like a trigger that I used to have I mean I've had plenty of triggers um but a, tr <laughs> a trigger that I used to have is when people would challenge my worthiness as a coach mm. and that was like i was like shit that unworthiness wound keeps coming up right <laughs> <laughs> and it's so funny like i can laugh about it because it's the humanity in this right like i don't care how much work you do there's always going to be something because you're human 
So you'll look at it and I'll, I'll, I can actually, of course, I just laughed about it. Like I can laugh about it and be like, oh, God dang it. Like I thought I healed that wound. Right. But I can, I can look at it as like self-reflection and I can bounce back from it just like that now where before it would have pulled me in this downward spiral and I would have made it something bad, wrong, shameful about me, right? Instead, I can look at it and laugh about it and then move on and then reflect. Well, is this true? Like, is it's their opinion, right? Okay, we all have opinions. But is this true about me? No. Right? I know I'm a fucking awesome coach. My results speak for themselves. Not everybody's going to like you, Melanie, and that's okay. And then, mm. you know, tell myself things like that, move on. And how important do you think that is? Because, you know, I know that with myself, if I get one of those triggers, yeah, I try to tell myself that, you know, even though you're working on it, you're trying, it's still going to happen. You're not going to be perfect. So I, I think I get that little thing where I think, oh, I have made no progress. It's bothering me again. I'm again, and it just gets you into that cycle of I'm not good enough. I'm whatever. I, I think that the ability to, like you said, sit with it, mm -hmm. realize that, yeah, shit's going to bother you from time to time. We're human. Yeah. We're not perfect. Yeah. But like you said, that bounce back is what's important, not the fact that it, you know, the fact that it let you bother you isn't doomsday. It's what you do with that and how you recover from that that shows the progress that you've made. So true. So true. Because the past versions of you, right, may have like sat with that. And For that years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> For years. That's the scary part, right? And then you get to months and then weeks. And then days, and then hours, and then minutes, and then seconds. You're like, it's fine. And, yeah. and it's not its not getting yourself to a place of like, what they call like spiritual bypassing. No, you're actually dealing with it. But to your point, it's the bounce back, right? It's not, did this knock you off, right? Oh, unworthiness wounds. Shit, I need to do more healing. Right? <laughs> or were you like, oh, there you are again. Hello, old friend, right? <laughs> Hello, darkness, my old friend. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so just another question about relationships. And, you know, I think, again, in my own efforts to try to, you know, look into inside of myself a little bit and getting back to what I said about portraying a person, a life that wasn't true, mm -hmm. I think. I've sort of come to the real realization a little bit that, you know, my last couple of relationships, they might have been going into it, or they most definitely have been going into it based on what I projected yeah. and not what I actually was. So when they get, you know, six months, a year into it, they're saying, wait a minute, you know, have I been sold a bill of goods here? Like this wasn't... Yeah. what I thought I was getting into. So how, and I've sort of made a conscious thought and I'm not out there looking for relationships or whatever, but if it ever happens again, one of my big things is, okay, be genuine from the get-go yes. so that they can decide on their own merits 
is this something I want or not? Because that's only fair to the other person. How do we be genuine? Like, <laughs> like I know that's a broad question, but we all want to make ourselves look good. Yeah. And, you know, I saw another, um, another, I'm not sure if you know who Adam Lane Smith is, but he, he's an attachment specialist. Okay. Um, he, he's very good. I've listened to him on a lot of podcasts. And he says that, you know, in the first few conversations, you should kind of, you know, not getting into super nitty gritty details, but make it very clear who you are. Yeah. For, warts and all. Yeah. Is it as simple as that? Like saying, you know, maybe three dates, four dates, five dates in, whatever, you know, saying, yeah, you know, I, I'm kind of had trouble with self-doubt before, anxiety. And I know it's really scary to open yourselves up like that. But do you think that's as simple as it is? I think the best and biggest gift that we can give to ourselves, I think it was the Greeks that said, know thyself. So it's like, know yourself and then have the courage to be that person. Mm-hmm. And, and in this world where realness is like demonized and fakeness is like put on a pedestal, right? To be authentic, to be genuine, is not an easy task, but at the same time, you will attract what's meant for you when you are like that on all levels, not just you know romantic relationships, like your career, your friendships, your experiences, collaborations, co-creations. Like we're so we so want to be accepted. We so don't want to be judged. We so want to be seen and loved and heard. But at the same time, it's so terrifying for us because most of us weren't, right? And so to put yourself out there so raw, open heart, so vulnerable, like it just feels so, oh, like I'm gonna die, right? But at the same time, wouldn't you rather know that that person that you're bearing yourself to, and I'm not saying this shit's easy, I'm not. It's it's taken me years to get to this point in my life. But wouldn't you rather that person love you, choose you, go all in on you and you on them because it's you. You're like, you're my fucking person. Hell yes on you rather than a representative, mm. right? Because then then what? You can't keep up that mask for the rest of your life. Eventually, the real you is going to come out. So I think it takes great courage for us to be ourselves. But I, I also think that it's what this world needs. More authenticity. Not one of us is the same even though so many of us are similar, right? I mean, we're all human, men, women, won't get into any of those those things. <laughs> we have the majority of the same parts, yada, yada, right? But we are all very unique, authentic expressions. And we all just need to be what that is. And then 
everything will just get so much better and so much easier. And I think, like you said earlier, we all basically want the same thing yeah. out of our lives. And even though we may protest and say, nah, I don't need that, I don't need anyone, you know, human biology over thousands and thousands and thousands of years yes. says that that's what we want. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Melanie, this has been fascinating. Um, I could talk to you for another three hours, probably. But uh, <laughs> it's been fun. yeah, it's been great. So I appreciate your time. And uh, again, thank you for stepping in at short notice for this interview. So um, why don't you leave off by telling the, the listeners and the viewers where we can find you website, social media, uh, anything that you want to share anything that you got going on? Yeah, of course. So you can find me on social. I'm primarily on Facebook and Instagram. So I am Melanie Verstrady on Instagram, just Melanie Verstrady on Facebook. Uh, my website and my company is The Wild Heart Life. So you can just look that up and ways to work with me are in there. If you want to learn more information about me, it's 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 all in there. That's great. And I will put that as I do for all of my guests in the episode description. So I encourage everyone to uh, to check uh, out your socials and your website. And once again, thank you for a great conversation. And I wish you all the best going forward. My honor. Thank you so much. Thank you.